Hi, this is Dave Dutton of Dave's Voice Works and Radio Guy Reflections and TurnbuckleTrash.net. Two great podcasts, one about professional wrestling and one about radio. And it's all on Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, here's a great way to make a podcast. Use Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast because, hey, it's free. And they give all the creation tools that allow you to record and edit any podcast you'd like to do right from your computer. Use Anchor. Anchor, the best way to podcast and the best way to listen to Turnbuckle Trash or Radio Guy Reflections. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few moments, we start our daily broadcast. Who listens to radio? Hi, I'm Dave Denton. I'm a radio guy, and even went by that name on the air in Missouri. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Hi, everyone. It's Dave Denton. This is Radio Guy Reflections, where I get to talk about my favorite subject, radio. Some of our past guests include the president of the Nashville Songwriters Association, Bart Herbertson, who got a start in Paris, Tennessee. Ron Arquette, a programmer and talk show host at KNRS in Salt Lake City. And also Art Rascone, who started in radio in Rexburg, Idaho, and went on to become a TV reporter for CBS and ABC News, and recently retired as a TV anchor in Houston, Texas. Today, I am so pleased to uh, talk to a friend of mine. Uh, he's uh, seen changes in the industry throughout the years. He writes, reports the news for uh, KVNU in Logan, Utah. Also is a co-host of a talk show called For the People with a past guest, uh, Jason Williams, here on Radio Guy Reflections. And he is Wild Bill, does the afternoon drive on Kix 96, a uh, country radio station in Logan, Utah. And by the way, he is one of the great guys that I've ever met. He is one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And I worked with you for almost 20 years. Bill Walters, welcome to Radio Guy Reflections. Bill, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. It's uh, nice to be with you. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about radio, but before we go into how uh, you know what you're doing now, I want to talk a little bit about your background and where you were born and maybe what got you influenced to uh, decide that a career in broadcasting was what Bill wanted to do with his life. Okay. All right. Well, I was I was born in western Nebraska, the Nebraska Panhandle, uh, a town called Scotts Bluff, about 20 miles east of the Wyoming border. Um, and I was born into a family of six, although my oldest sister was already gone to college by the t- time I came along. Uh, but... My my father was involved in broadcasting. Uh, he, by the time I came along, he was the uh, station manager of the TV station there in uh, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, KSDF. And he had a background in radio. He'd worked at the local station there uh, before, but when he turned 40, he had a growing family and decided that uh, maybe a jump into television would be better, a uh-huh. uh, little more money involved in TV. 
uh, and so he he became the uh, manager of the of the new station in town. So he did that for many years. Um, all of my older siblings, uh, as far as uh, employment was concerned, they would they kind of went off into education, uh, becoming school teachers and uh, later administrators, uh, associate professors, uh, things like that. So that was that was kind of their their life's focus. However, I was always fascinated, um, well, a little bit by television. I, you know, I would accompany my dad down to the station, uh, especially on Saturday mornings when he'd go down there for a few hours. But I was, I got more interested in radio by the time I was 10 or 11. And I was just, I would spend hours listening to the local station in town that my dad had previously worked at before I was born. And um, I don't know, I just, I just had a fondness for it. I, when I, when I first found out that you could hear faraway stations at night, mm-hmm. of course, this was, you know, long before the internet and streaming audio, <laughs> uh-huh. or now, now you can hear stations from all over the world at any time. But the fact that I could listen to a faraway station at night was, I thought, wow, uh-huh. that is so cool. That is so neat. I wonder how they do that. And so then uh, we moved around. We left Scott's Bluff. My dad actually got a promotion um, to be the general manager of the three group of stations uh, based out of Cheyenne. So uh, we moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming for a couple of years. It was kind of neat because that station in Cheyenne still had, even though they were owned by somebody else at that point, they were still leasing space to little AM station in Cheyenne. So they were right there in the the front of the station. So I thought that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we lived in Cheyenne for a couple of years and I would listen to stations out of Denver and just, you know, for hours on end and just be, uh, you know, just really interested. And before this, I, in back in Scott's Bluff, I actually had a little radio station in the basement where I would uh, set up my cassette recorder and play 45s and then announce in between those records and pretend I was a disc jockey. (laughs) I guess I was, I guess it was show prep, I guess is is what what it is. Uh So um, eventually we wound up in Grand Junction, Colorado, a few years uh, after, a couple years after Cheyenne. And when I was 16, a friend of mine in high school got a job at the local uh, top 40 FM station and AM country station on weekends. And he encouraged me to apply. Uh So I did that and started working the the weekend shift at uh, the AM station and um, and the FM top 40 it was all it was fully automated and so the the main thing was on the fm making sure that the four spools of tape didn't all run out at once and (laughs) then you'd have dead air uh the am station was pretty self-sufficient it had cartridges in big carousels that would play 
and that's how the music would play mm-hmm. there. The only problems that you'd have were if you know if the if one of those cart carousels started eating the tape and taking that whole carousel offline. So I worked there on weekends, and part of my job was to do like a, it seemed like um, almost an hour, but maybe it was a half hour of news on the AM country station, which I did live, and would just read uh, copy, news copy and everything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at it. In fact, uh, we had a, I had a boss who was from, uh, from New York, New York, and he had a, he had a New York accent. Hmm. He he uh, or New York attitude to go along with the accent. He mm-hmm. he could be uh, very blunt, and I was not a good news reader. But I was reading the news in the morning uh, after working the overnight shift at the station. I'd I'd read the news in morning drive on our on our two stations, mm-hmm. and he finally pulled me off, and he says, "You're terrible." Because what would happen is I I was so nervous, especially reading the news live, that I would not take a breath during the whole story. My breathing was all off. And so I just start reading until I ran out of breath. So obviously I had no flow. Mm -hmm. And the other people, my immediate boss would just kind of let it ride. And, you know, he was like a nice guy. didn't want to confront anybody but uh the new yorker he actually did me a favor because he told me that i really you know i was really horrible at it and i needed to uh make some changes so i practiced i would read the newspaper at home and um kind of try to get you know some continuity continuity going and some develop some a little bit of flow so i got better at it as time went on so anyway, that was in Grand Junction, um, and I also, at 18, got a job uh, as a young program director of the local college station there in Grand Junction, oh, KMSA, okay. which had been on the air for a few years. So I got a taste of programming, and it was kind of a freeform station there at uh, Mesa College. And it's it's still going strong. It's you know it's changed quite a bit, but um, so that's you know that was my kind of my venturing off into um, you know administration, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that uh, until I moved up to Logan and uh, moved. So so to you Logan. went from uh, from Colorado to Logan, where you are at now. And when, what what year was that? Do you remember? That that was 1979. And you've been in Logan ever since. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And yeah, it's obviously uh, changed a little here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> over it the sure years. Has. Yeah, I think the the county population was less than half of what it is now. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I I came here and my oldest sister was here with her two daughters so i lived with them uh for almost the first full year that i was here but i had gotten a job at um, kusu now known as uh upr uh 
and I was a radio intern there, so I worked various shifts while uh, accruing uh, class credit for that. And then in November, I decided to apply at KBNU because I that was the you know the main station, the big station in Cache Valley with uh, totally live announcers, twenty four seven. And they did quite a bit of news, but also, you know, played music, mm-hmm. adult contemporary during the day, uh, top 40 at night. Which was very the... common at that time. Yeah, especially for smaller town stations that, you know, didn't, there weren't that many stations in town. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have like a dedicated top 40 station or a dedicated, you know, MOR, middle of the road station. Mm-hmm. Tried to be all things to to everyone. So um, anyway, I started working in November '79 at KBNU part time. Uh, later, about a year later, that turned into a full time uh, gig. I worked the six to midnight shift in the evening, and I remember I was uh, working when the teletype started dinging in the back. One night in December 1980, and it was the news that John Lennon had been shot. Hmm. And then a couple hours later, it came out that he was dead. So I remember playing a lot of Beatles music that night, and I think also airing some some news bulletins from the network and that sort of thing. You know, that's kind of funny because I was working in Rexburg, Idaho at that time. And uh, I was, uh, I, I think at the time I was doing the morning drive at a little AM station there. But I was not feeling very well at all that particular day. And I think I went to bed like at 6.30 that night. And I missed all that stuff that was on Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell and, right. But find out now that you had that connection that you were actually on the air uh, when that happened because I woke up, went to Rexburg on that next morning, and that's when I fi- found out that uh, Mr. Lennon had been shot and uh, killed at that. So uh, that that had to be uh, uh, exciting but also kind of weird to have to announce that on the air. Uh, how did you uh, How did you handle that? Well, I, you know, back then, you know, this was before the internet and, you know, we didn't have a television set at the station, you know, to watch bulletins, TV bulletins. So I was mostly just going off uh, AP teletype Mm -hmm. and just passing along the bulletins as they came in and, um, you know, and then uh, our radio network, ABC, was feeding us bulletins and so uh i was airing those and so it it wasn't wall-to-wall coverage for that mm, back right. then that i that i recall but yeah. uh yeah so it was just like the hourly newscast but i um i think as i recall it seems like i just started playing a lot more beatles mm. music which you know which is uh kind of what radio stations do some something tragic happens with mm-hmm. a musician so all of a sudden you just start playing the songs of that musician right is, more most recently kind of tom petty you know that 
a lot of the, a lot of radio stations went to mostly Tom Petty music when uh, he passed away and yeah yeah and Michael yeah. Jackson when that happened you you heard a lot about that so yeah uh, that's that's uh, that's what we do as the radio industry and and uh, we get so tied up in in uh in in helping I don't want to say helping but uh, in these these people's careers and they mean so much to us as as radio disc jockeys or announcers now that when when somebody passes away that is a superstar it uh, sometimes will affect us i remember when when elvis passed away once again i was in rexburg at the time and it was in the afternoon when everything came off and i had the forethought of thought to go start recording abc's constant feed of uh, actualities of of people that were uh, reacting to the the death of the king and uh, it was an exciting time and a lot different than today with all the technology that is available uh oh, I with know. that yeah. so uh, so yeah, so sure. so you've been at KVNU and you've seen a lot of changes in the way an AM radio station uh went about their business throughout the years because you had Utah State University uh with on and off coverage from from uh, KVNU uh, with that university and their football and basketball program. But you also saw that change that was going from AM playing music just now AM's basically news talk, sports talk, very little music. How did you right. adjust yourself in your career to these changing times, especially in AM radio? Yeah. You know, uh, and the funny thing, you know, KVNU, we kind of stuck with uh, – at least music during the day mm -hmm. for probably much longer than a lot of AM stations uh, did that. Cause I think when we were still playing music in the daytime hours, I think by that time KSL had transitioned to, to all talk. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, we eventually did that when uh, cash Valley media group, uh, purchased uh, KVNU in 1996. Uh, shortly after that, we abandoned the music during the day. We we had kind of we had stopped playing music at night. We were running various programs. We were running uh, TalkNet at the time. You know Bruce Williams. Mm -hmm. Sally Jesse Raphael, if you remember them. Oh yeah. And uh, we were playing uh, Jimbo Hannon, who unfortunately uh, passed away late last year. That was sad. Mm -hmm. um, we we're also, you know, uh, running ESPN Radio, some of their programming mm -hmm. in the evening. Uh, and so when it, when we decided. Um, or maybe some other people decided that we should, <laughs> you know, just get rid of the music entirely. That was, we started, you know, getting talk shows. We started putting Rush on during the day, uh, added Dr. Laura. And, and so then we had a news block where we just did news and weather and sports and public service announcements and you know, light news, entertainment news. And I thought, well, how can we, how can we do this, just this block of local stuff without playing music? Cause you know, after all these years being in radio, you, you 
kind of get set in that mode for 20 years. You know, I always, uh, w- there was always music on the radio. Right. And so, you know, if you didn't feel like talking, you just played a song or two, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having a bad day, you're tired or whatever, you just maybe played a little bit more music. Well, now all of a sudden, um, we weren't doing that anymore. If we were tired, we just kind of soldiered on and tried to do the best we could. And so that, you know, changing, changing the mindset on that was, you know, there's a little bit of a transition. Well, I, I was, uh, I, I got into right, uh, to Logan around 95, I think it was. So I was aware of what you guys were doing because I was programming a competing radio station in the country giant. And uh, right. when the Cash Valley Media Group bought you guys out, uh, uh, I, I knew they were going to be switching to uh, a complete news format. Uh, but how did you, Bill Walters, uh, go from uh, doing this music into transition, transitioning yourself into doing uh, more news? And then when they decided to put Kicks 96 on the air, uh, did you immediately become Wild Bill doing the afternoon drive back then? Well, yeah, I need to back up a little bit. Okay. Uh, shortly, shortly after we were purchased, um, I was asked if I could uh, be on in the early afternoons on Q92. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So, And so I transitioned over to Q92 and, and it, but I was still doing production for KVNU, and we were we were co-owned at that point, but we were not physically all together yet right. under one roof. And so I had to uh, divide my time between the uh, station uh, in 200 North, our present location, and KVNU's location. Uh, behind, uh, well, what is now Winco in that red brick building mm-hmm. on Second West, um, and so it, yeah, made it made it a little bit hectic. But you know, I was I was younger then, so I guess I could take it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, so I would I would go do my shift at Q ninety two, do any production that was signed assigned for me there, and then at some point in the evening, I'd go over to KBNU and do whatever uh, production was was over there for me. Um, so eventually, um, I guess I, I just didn't, I, I don't feel like I really fit into the mold of what they wanted to do at Q92. So I think maybe they realized that and I realized that, and I wanted to kind of get back to news. And so at, at, at one point I, I went back to KBNU exclusively. Mm-hmm. So at least I was in, I think just, one building. I think I was still doing production over at Second North, so mm-hmm. I'd go over there and check the production basket or or whatever. But I was back um, on KBNU full time, and then uh, by 1999, the addition uh, that they had been building there at uh, the Radio Ranch was completed, so they were able to move uh, VFX over there. Um, which had become KBFX from KBFM and and the Fox and all that, and then was VFX. So they moved them over first, I think in April of 99, or maybe March of 99, 
the next month KVNU moved to those to the new studios uh, there on 200 North. Uh, so we had, you know, that that group of stations was all was all together. And at some point, um, Kix 96 uh, had actually started, I think, in about I think it may have started in around 1996. Yeah, 96, 97, that area. Yeah. But they were running uh, Westwood One's Satellite Country. Now, now Lynn, as he still does, uh, was doing his morning show uh, on Kicks ninety six. But after that, they went, you know, with with the satellite programming for mm-hmm. Westwood One. But Lynn wanted to get away from that, uh, and so it, you know, he talked to me a little bit and asked if I'd be interested in in doing the afternoons on kicks. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I said, I, you know, I did country before, uh, you know, back in Grand Junction. So I mm-hmm. had some experience in, in doing country a little bit. And um, so, yeah, so I think I started, I can't remember the exact year, but I, I'm kind of thinking it was around um, 2000. Okay. Something yeah, it would like have been that, around there because uh, I I was still uh, doing that country station across town, and uh, so I you know I had to listen to see what the competition was doing, and oh, I, yeah, I remember when sure. they they went off uh, went off Westwood One, which I thought was a was an excellent move uh, for them because you know network radio is fine, but there's just that they lose that local element that right. they provided so yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, so I think since around 2000, I've been on Kix 96, and I was also, and of course, I, I pre-record that voice track it, um, for the most part. Reflection. We'll have more of our conversation with Bill Walter, and we'll talk about how he was doing an afternoon news show, and how that morphed into becoming more of an afternoon news talk political show. That's all coming up. It's the world of professional wrestling. Hi, I'm Dave Dutton. I'm one of those lifelong fans. Christopher Evans joins me and Zane Peterson as we talk about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling from a little bit different perspective than a lot of the podcasts out there. The following contest is scheduled for football. We know what we like. And sometimes we talk about things we don't like. You stupid idiots! You might even find a chance to laugh at some of the things we do. Who are you calling Rudy Tootie Booty? It's Turnbuckle Trash. It's available on many of these same podcast channels. Join us. Turnbuckle Trash are also on Facebook and TurnbuckleTrash.net. Too many people in this business who think that they're, uh, I guess it's a podcast, their stuff doesn't stink. You know, it's just like, (laughs) hey, look, we're all just enjoying the game. We're all just having a good time. Sports are supposed to be fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. Let's go have a good time and really uh, paint a great picture for the fans out there. I wanted to be me. I didn't want to put on a show. uh, Well, you know, I wanted to obviously a show, but I didn't want to be fake on the air. 
Um, what you what you get is what you, you know, get. That would be a fascinating career. I, I want to witness history in a way and see it and tell the compelling stories of it. Uh, when did you find out uh, he is autistic? When you get that diagnosis, it's not necessarily a shock to you, but it's validating how you've been feeling. I can't imagine what the future of talk radio could have been or would have been had Rush not come along when he did. This is Radio Guy Reflections. And so at the same time, I've been on KVNU in the afternoons. And I originally, we had an afternoon news show from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., KVNU's afternoon news. Mm -hmm. And I did that solo for a while. And then uh, they decided to uh, bring in this gal that uh, had moved to Logan along with her husband, and she was a recent BYU grad. She was from central Utah, and she had an interest in journalism. And um, so she started co-hosting with me, Heather Bailey. Oh, yeah. So Heather and I were on in the afternoon, and we had a great time. Uh, eventually, though, Al Lewis, his female partner in the morning, Becky Bronson, uh, decided to to move back down to southern utah and so they moved heather up to mornings and so then i was on in the afternoons with uh with eric franson uh for a time and we we uh you know kind of took turns reading stories and and did the afternoon news around somewhere in the vicinity of uh 2004 2005 um we hired a part-time guy by the name of Tom Grover, right. who was um, um, graduating, who was in the process of graduating from Utah State University. And he loved talk radio. And he himself, he, he didn't have any previous radio experience, but he loved speech and debate. He, you know, that was his forte. And he would listen to KSL in Salt Lake City and just and just think, you know, what, what Doug Wright's doing, if we could just implement that in Logan, put that in Logan. And he just so I think he pitched the idea to a few people and he started this uh, program uh, from six to seven in the summer when uh, Full Court Press did its summer hiatus, which it used to do. Um, so he started this program from six to seven in May, I think April or May, uh, called For the People. And he did it for an hour, but uh, eventually it, uh, you know, it gathered a lot of buzz. And so it eventually uh, moved up 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. I, well, I think 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. for a short time. Yeah, it was well. 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. for a while. And you've yeah. had various roles on For the People throughout the years, haven't you? Yeah, mostly as the producer and uh, the the news guy and the guy that answers the phones and mm -hmm. tries to keep everybody on time if possible. And <laughs> <laughs> the the guy that yells at people off mic if I'm reading the news and they're talking loud in the background and. Uh, <laughs> Now, so I, known I, as that guy. I remember one time uh, you guys actually had me on, uh, and really? I think I came in uh, one one year came in because uh, you guys were talking about WrestleMania weekend, 
And yeah. uh, they, because I'm a big wrestling fan, and Jason had me come in to talk about uh, the role of professional wrestling in pop culture. And I remember what happened was I brought you and Jason, and I'm wondering, was Jessica there that I brought you all little action figure dolls? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember <laughs> we had such a time. But I always noticed on For the People, uh, because I did a couple guest stints in various roles, uh, that when you were talking on the phone to people or you're doing the news, you could every once in a while you could hear somebody buzzing in the background. I kept on saying, Oh, wow, you know, and but it still added <laughs> I think it added a little bit to the show, except for when you're doing hard news that you could actually hear that background voice. So well, now I mean, it's, it's okay, but if you're you know, if you're reading a, a murder story and yeah. people are chuckling in the background about something something else, it's <laughs> You know, that it don't work no more. Sound, yeah, it may not sound that great. <laughs> right. So now you, you are you, you're still doing producing, but you have more of a role as as the, the reading the news. And do you ever get involved in the, some of the questions uh, for your guest? Um. Uh, yeah. Occasionally, and I will do some interviews myself. Uh-huh. Usually, uh, because of the time of day. Uh, I will record those ahead of time. Right. I've, and I've talked to, you know, people at the Cache Valley Cruise Inn over the years right. and a short interview with them. Um, you know, all sorts of people, uh, the family place, Utah, some of their functions that they have going on, their events. Um, and so, I'll, and then we will integrate that into For the People. So, um Craig Hislop, also a big contributor to For the People with mm-hmm. his interviews that are uh, made into news stories as well. And that's the so, thing that I like about the show because it's it's very local. I mean, it's basically Cache Valley events and Cache Valley news. And uh, I think that's why it still has a, a very big audience in the Cache Valley area. And I think you guys do a wonderful job with that. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I think, uh, you know, local is good at a time when, um, you know, you can get podcasts and national shows anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you need somebody to do local stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, Bill, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you do outside of radio, because you and I have known each other now basically since around... 2002 is when I came over to the radio station, the Cash Valley uh, Media Group. And you remember yeah. I was actually in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, they had me set up on banquet tables with a couple of boards for two, two radio stations. And I was there for, what, three years in the hallway, actually, yeah. before they got a studio Until they got your, your studio ready. I can't remember what was in that studio before. I think there, there was a... It was just a production room. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, uh Yeah. <laughs> but we got to know each other during that time frame. And, I, you know, I I said this at the beginning of the podcast that I found out very, very soon what a good man you are. And I think that comes from your upbringing and your religious background. I know you're very involved in your church and your faith. So let's talk about that and, and how that has affected your life. Uh, because sure. our faith, you know, we we are of different faiths as far as church goes, but we have very similar uh, 
beliefs and backgrounds. And I wanted to talk about your faith and, and how you are okay. involved with your church. Sure. Sure. Um, well, uh, back in the early eighties, I started attending and, um, and actually studying the Bible with Jehovah's witnesses. Um, a family member of mine, an older sibling had, um, had been a witness. Uh, she and her husband did not continue in that, uh, however, but, uh, about a year after they kind of stopped doing it, I <laughs> probably much to the uh, great chagrin of my family and other siblings, uh, I decided to look into it and uh, get involved with it. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I've been an active member since, um, well, since my early 20s, mm -hmm. you know, about 20, 23 years old. So most of my adult life. I've been active in our local congregation here mm -hmm. and uh, serving in in uh, various positions within the congregation. I'm uh, one of the overseers, um, you know, and, and much like it is with uh, uh, locally, I'm, it's, you know, like a, with a bishop or something. It's not a paid position, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, uh, it's something where uh, we kind of just provide oversight and and uh, just help help out the friends in the congregation. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's why I have such a great uh, deal of respect for you, Bill, because I've seen throughout the years of how you live uh, your your beliefs, and uh, I I think I try to live my beliefs, although I've got a little bit more salt to your tongue than you do. <laughs> <laughs> I can let the expletives fly, as they say. But uh, well, I, I put a little salt on my food, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a dab once once in a while myself. So this uh, after I left the Cash Valley Media Group, something happened in your life that I always was saying, Bill needs somebody. And you, and you recently, uh, within the last couple of years, became a married man. And, and tell us how that came about. And tell us about your wife, yeah. man. Um, well, I'd, I'd been a, a bachelor, I guess, you know, I, I, I didn't like the, the phrase a dedicated bachelor, because right. I, I didn't consider myself that, um, I just hadn't, you know, found the right situation, uh, for myself. Uh, and so, uh, during the pandemic, um, you know, people were isolating at home and, um, you know, and I was, I was, I felt isolated myself. Uh, I was helping out a friend that lived on the island and I would stay with him part of the time, but then I'd go back to my place, my apartment. And it was, I just, I, the, the people that were isolating as families, I kind of envied them because at least they had someone else. And and I think I I kind of realized, you know, I think I I think I need somebody. Right. Uh, and so there was a, a young woman in our congregation who had uh, moved here from uh, Eastern Oregon uh, a couple of years prior to that, and you know we were friends and everything. Uh, we you know socially we do things in groups and. It seems like we were always showing up to help people 
uh, move in or move out, you know, mm. providing kind of the moving crew. <laughs> uh, and so she had plans herself to possibly move to India. Wow. And she was going to leave in May of 2020 for a month and live with a live with a friend there to see if you know if she could uh, if that would be something that would be uh, plausible for her to actually relocate there and move there but uh covid-19 hit the second month of march that year mm-hmm. and so everything got shut down as you well know oh yeah and so her plans got scuttled and so she you know she didn't know exactly what she was going to do now um and some of us you know we kind of thought at the time well this pandemic you know six months down the road it'll it'll all be history everything will be back to normal but you know of course that that didn't play out um quite that quickly uh and so she started kind of reaching out to me about a month into the pandemic and and then in may i think it was may 17th 2020 she had she texted me and said could you give me a call when you have a moment so i'd been hiking with a buddy up uh on the east bench of providence right along the deer fence there and so i i got back into town and uh, and so I decided to call her and she just kind of, uh, asked and said, uh, I was just wondering if you'd like to get, uh, better acquainted, uh, romantically just to Ooh. see if there's anything there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I said, well, um, I said, maybe <laughs> I said, I, I said, my life's kind of a train wreck now. Cause I, I really felt it was, and she she knew that already that right. my life was kind of a train wreck so <laughs> she was up for the challenge so anyway uh we just over the next few months we were dating our our dates consisted of me visiting her in a garage where she was living with another um, older member of our congregation um a garage that had been converted in the summer to kind of a little patio and both of us standing there fully masked and just Mm. socializing (laughs) (laughs) and eventually she said well could you start calling me in the evening so um i started calling her and we started chatting on the phone and i think that's where our relationship really took off were those late night phone calls oh, that's awesome. uh, during the, during the pandemic. And so we, we already had kind of knew each other cause we'd been around each other for two years. So it's not like you know, we were brand new, uh, to each other. And, uh, so we, we, we didn't have a very long courtship. We got married on August 25th of that same year mm-hmm. in a backyard, uh, ceremony at a friend's house and uh we had six people in attendance uh in person 
but uh, a couple hundred more on Zoom oh. that were, were watching it on Zoom. Right. So. Well, when I found out, I was so happy for you because I've been there. You know, I I, uh, I was 37 when I found my wife, and and uh, I was I always I think you always knew that I loved my wife dearly, and I kept on when I'd come home, and I'm I'm telling you this because I never told you this before. I would come home and say, "Bill is such a wonderful person; he needs somebody," and I'm so <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you found that special person in your life. And uh, I remember, I, I think I actually whooped it up when I found out you had gotten married, and I oh, congratulate wow. you, man. I, I'm so yeah. happy for you. I, I really am. Well, thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a big blessing for me, and it's you know a little bit of a change, right? Because when you're used to just being by yourself um, for all those decades, making your own decisions about what you wanted to do that day or where you wanted to go. Uh, it's been a little bit of an, an adjustment for right. me because you have to you have to take into consideration, you know, your partner. Right. Your, and so, um, so that's you know, so that's been that's been good. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been a it's been a huge blessing. My life has has improved in in so many ways. I am so glad to hear that. Well, now you're you're doing your hosting duties, co-hosting duties, and reading news and writing news on. Uh, KV and you, your your wild bill in the afternoon on Kicks ninety six, which I think it really fits. I mean, the way you uh, your approach to that is is uh, very very well done. Uh, but I'll give you, you I'll give you a little bit of background of that name. Okay. Um, <laughs> initially, um, Lynn Simmons asked me if uh, he said, "Yeah, we need a name for you." He said, "What do you think of being Slick Willie?" <laughs> which this was, you know, On this was the nineties. <laughs> yeah, this was the nineties. Oh, and, man. uh, that was kind of a, a term for the, the president at that time. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I don't know. I said, how about, how about wild bill? Cause I was called wild bill in high school uh-huh. by some people because, it was a misnomer because I was anything but wild. I was kind of quiet and uh, especially around people I didn't know real well. Right. Uh, kind of shy. So they'd call me Wild Bill. So I said, so I mentioned to Lynn, I said, uh, would Wild Bill work? And he said, yeah, great. Yeah. So that's how Wild Bill was born. Yeah. And, you know, we, as as radio announcers, a lot of us do get different names and I remember when they asked me to be on the classic rock station uh, and uh, I can't remember who the uh, PD was at the time, but uh, he he and I would uh, talk and he would ask me some questions about music. And of course, being around uh, radio since uh, the mid seventies as a participant in, as a disc jockey, I knew a lot of trivia. And I remember the guy saying, wow, you have like a PhD in rock and roll. You're like a doctor of rock. And that, and then all of a sudden they they started calling me Doctor Dave on on the on the radio. I had no idea that that's and so it, I became Doctor Dave, the Doctor of Rock, and I found out something because of that. I became better known in Cache Valley in Northern Utah as Doctor Dave or the Doctor because it was a character. I don't know if you found people know you as Wild Bill. Or maybe they'll know you more as as Bill Walter on 
on KVNU, but sometimes that character is more memorable as as an announcer than it is by using just a regular name like, hey, it's Dave Denton in the morning, you know, or whatever. Uh, yeah. But I found out that while when I was when I tell people I was Doctor Dave, they say, oh yeah, and that's that's when I would uh, people the light bulb would go on. I don't know if you found that or not. Yeah, I, I think so. It it's it kind of creates an excuse to be a uh, a persona kind of kind of I mean it's it's still you right. but it's kind of a different side of your personality. Right. And That's it helps exactly right. you to maybe be a little more creative if you if you have a name like that than than if you're like you said like you just use your your regular name. I I think that's true. Well, I you know I have that nickname of Buford that I got uh in college that a lot of people know me as Buford also. But uh, I don't, you know, when I uh, go from station to station, I say, well, a lot of people call me Buford. Can I use that on the radio? They go, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I could I could just imagine if uh, if I'd have become, you know, Buford on the radio, I probably would have stuck in, in more country radio than going back into classic rock. Well, well so I have a question for you then. Okay. Uh, so when you were on... 103.9, the country giant. Mm-hmm. Were, were you Buford back then? No, I was uh, I was just Dave. Uh, oh, okay. I, I actually went by uh, Buford in Rexburg, Idaho, though, uh, because my boss thought it was, you know, a character. And I was, I was playing Aerosmith, and I was playing BTO as your f- favorite uh, or your family, your, your favorite uh, neighborhood Buford. That's what I called myself. <laughs> Uh, and I did that for a few years. I think I was in Rexburg till '83, I believe, and then I became Dave Denton. And for a while, I was a member of a uh, of a team uh, in Mid Missouri, a radio team in the morning. We called ourselves the Radio Guys, and a lot of people. Mm. I liked that name too. I liked the the name of the the team was the Radio Guys, and it was Radio Guy Dave and Radio Guy Eric. And when we'd mm. go out in the community. People would just call, "Hey, hey, radio guy, Dave," and that's how they would address me. <laughs> I, you know, so I, I, I wish I'd have re- realized that as you know, becoming a character a little bit more than just I wanted to use my real name because uh, I just thought it was silly for people having character names. But yeah, I wish I'd realized that a lot earlier in my career because I, you know, it's 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 nice being recognized at times, and then other times. It can get a little bit hairy when you're recognized, especially if you're in a small town or a small community like we are in Cache yeah. Valley and Logan. Uh, have yeah. you ever been embarrassed when somebody re- recognizes you on the radio? Um, yeah, I think I think I have mm-hmm. at you know at at times. It, but you know, a lot of the a lot of times people do not recognize me right. by my voice. And, and I think it's because if you're looking at someone and hearing their voice, they sound different to right, you because do. if you're, if you are just acquainted with a voice and not a face at all, your mind kind of conjures up an image of what you think that person kind of might look like. And you get those people that say, voice. you don't sound anything. You don't look anything like you sound on the radio. I, You've had that happen yeah. to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think, boy, I must look really bad. Yeah, we, we've must, got the perfect, maybe I sound really bad. Yeah, we've know. got the perfect face for radio. You know, that's yeah. uh, uh, that. 
I, I've, I have had a couple people and, uh, you know, even in my public ministry, uh, just very rarely, but a couple times I've knocked on the door and people will say, are you on the radio? Yeah. And I'll say, well, well yeah, because uh-huh. <laughs> they, you know, recognize the voice. And you can get your foot in the door a little bit that way, too. So. <laughs> well, Bill, it has been such a pleasure talking to you and getting to know uh, what I mean. We're both. I'm in my 60s. I don't know how old you are. I'm 62. Okay. Uh, so how much longer do you think you want to try to uh, to do this business called radio? Well, I'm 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 too poor to retire, so mm-hmm. uh, I guess as long as I can, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe be Paul Harvey, you know, I'm still <laughs> in my late 80s or something, and good day, <laughs> maybe die in front of the mic one day, and they just come and you know wheel uh-huh. me back away from the mic and turn the mic off, and that'll be it. But yeah, kind of uh, like that no, old, just... kind of like that old country song, <laughs> "Prop Me Up by the Jukebox When I Die," right? There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, as I guess as long as my voice holds out, right. uh, still, um, you know, just keeping one foot in front of the other. And there, you know, and as you know, there are people at the uh, radio station currently there that are older than me. Right. And they're, you know, they're still plucking along. So, you know, I, I don't feel like I can retire before they retire. Right. You know, so that, that just wouldn't be right. So. And we, we both worked with a wonderful lady, Jenny, who worked until yeah. well into her 80s uh, and before right. she had to, to basically retire because she was just getting feeble at the time. And, yeah. and she, she was just a wonderful, wonderful person. I know that you were very close to her. Yeah, uh, she would be there early in the morning. She'd be be there like at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the morning, you know, fully dressed, mm-hmm. dressed for the day. With makeup nice. and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she would just start typing stories. And sometimes she would call people um, like at 6, 630, you know, and they're like, oh, hello. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just would like to find out what you said yesterday in front of the county council or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jenny, Jenny was a gem. Yeah. Um, and she was all, I would call her if I heard a news tip and I would call her at home and, and I'd say, hi, Jenny, this is Bill. And she says, oh, hi, what's happening? <laughs> and, and I'd say, well, I heard of a fire or something somewhere. Or I, I guess there's an accident somewhere. And she would, she'd make the calls mm-hmm. and, you know, get the information. Um, so it, I, and I am, I am so happy that we, and I think this was uh, Eric and um, his family were behind this uh, at the station of getting her inducted and, and along with Al Lewis uh, into the uh, um, Utah Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And especially in Jenny's case, I was glad we were able to, to do that when we did, because uh, it was within about a year that she, you know, just decided her health just did not permit her to, to keep, keep doing it. But uh, so I was, I was very happy about that. Yeah, and she backed into my car one time or my truck. You remember that? And yeah, <laughs> did a lot of damage. But uh, Jenny Christensen was just a wonderful, wonderful person. 
And Bill, I, I think, uh, I, you know, I think the world of you. I, I consider you a good friend and, and I really enjoyed the time that we got to work together uh, throughout the years. And oh, yeah. uh, we bounced ideas off each other. We complained about other people together. We, but, you know, it was good to be able to, to uh, find somebody who uh, you, you shared a, a common background as far as our ages go and, and the way we wanted to approach radio. And, and uh, I, I really did uh, think that uh, I do think you do a wonderful job, especially in the news. I, when you talked about the one guy from New York saying you were terrible at it, you worked hard, and you are one of the fine news readers that I've heard in a long time. Oh, well, well thank you. It's still a, it's still a work in progress. You right. know, I, I, I still work at it and uh, try to proofread best I can because I, right. I will get stumbled, especially mm-hmm. live. It seems like live on the radio, you come across a story and the sentence structure is a little weird or there's a word in there you don't quite know how to pronounce. So. Um, I know I'm, that I'm feeling. St- <laughs> so thank you, Dave. But yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still working at it. Okay. And I and I thoroughly thoroughly miss uh, miss seeing you as well. And and uh, one thing I could always count on with you is is an honest assessment of things. You know, you don't try to sugarcoat or mislead or anything. You know, you'll give me a very honest assessment of something that I could improve on or or whatever, you know, so I've always appreciated that. Well, it was always done with uh, respect. And I think you and I both had that common respect and I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I think uh, you've got to go to work here in a little bit and I've got a little side gig that I'm doing. So I got to get off and do that too. So uh, I I do appreciate uh, you taking time out to talk about Bill Walters and and, you know, we talked about your personal life. We talked about your radio life. And I think that's one of the, the great things about the podcast is people realize that we are people with all the the fallacies and the mistakes that are made. Uh, you and I have both had health issues over the last several years. And, and uh, yeah. we're you know, a lot of people look at us. We, we do have – we had a wonderful, wonderful career. And, uh, you know, a lot of people – especially back when we were in the, the 80s and 90s, they were kind of jealous of what we did at times, and not so much now, but it, it's a great career in radio. I really have enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed having you with us today. Well, thank you, and I, I, I'm honored to, uh, to be on your, on your program today. Yeah, I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I appreciate it, Bill. So we're going to wrap things up in Radio Guy Reflections. Don't forget to go to davesvoiceworks.com. That's daysvoiceworks.com. W-O-R-X is how you spell works. We have other podcasts there. One is called uh, 3W News, where I take a kind of a weird, unique look at three different news stories. And uh, also Turnbuckle Trash, all about professional wrestling. But Bill, you're on KVNU in Logan, Utah, and also Kicks 96 in Logan. And they both have websites, and they also will stream and People want to, uh, to check you out, and they can do it that way. Bill, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Likewise. And that's Radio Guy Reflections, a podcast about radio and the people behind the microphone. 
In future podcasts, we'll look at what makes a successful and sometimes a train wreck of a radio show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. We'll talk with people who started in radio and moved on to success in other fields. Radio Guy Reflections will be back soon with another show about radio and the men and women who produce the radio programs you've loved to listen to. Radio Guy Reflections is a production of Dave's Voice Works.